Welcome to the Floating Boater Podcast. I'm Philip Ryan, and I'm joined this week by independent newspaper's political correspondent, Hugh O'Connell. And we also have a very special guest uh, in Sinn Féin, Deputy Leader and Party Spokesperson on Finance, Pierce Doherty, who's going to talk to us about what has been, I suppose, a bit of a nostalgic week in news. Um, we have Fianna Fáil being accused of being too close to property developers, bankers being penalised by the central bank for reckless behaviour. And there's even been mention of the Maple 10 investors linked to Anglo-Irish Bank. It's a real 2008 feel about the week. Um, but before we get into that with Pierce, um, one of the, the big story yesterday and the, the two days before that has been the issue in the, with the Northern Ireland Protocol and Britain's decision to, the UK's decision, I suppose, rather, uh, to take unilateral action and extend the grace period on custom checks um, in Northern Ireland from goods coming between Britain and Northern Ireland um, until October is their plan, but they did that without the, the EU's uh, approval or agreement. But Pierce, um, in in this instance, um, what what Brit what uh, Britain is saying is that they had to do this because uh, uh, companies and suppliers and logistics, any, anybody involved in trade, they need they need some sort of guarantee that there was going to be something in place because they're going to they have to start buying stock in the next couple of weeks and they had to get something in place before the end of the month because it didn't feel the EU was moving fast enough. So do you think in this instance that it was they needed to move? No, I, I, I don't. I don't buy that at all from uh, from the British side. You know, look, we've seen some of the challenges in relation to the Irish protocol. Most of them are as a result of the fact that companies in Britain hadn't prepared uh, for the, the transition, the period that they and the changes that were required, the documentations and so on. Uh, and that's very much down to the fact that Boris Johnson told people that it would be OK on the night and, you know, didn't do what was happening here uh, on the island of Ireland, where there was an awareness in relation to uh, the changes that were were coming down and, and encouraging businesses uh, to to get ready for it. Now that being that that that's in the past. What we have now is we have the protocol. It's been signed up to uh, by the UK government by Boris Johnson and his cabinet. Uh, and as part of that, there is a mechanism, and like any agreement, a mechanism to deal with any teething problems or uh, areas that probably weren't identified uh, during the, the, the long drawn out negotiations. Uh, and that is the Joint Committee resolved those issues. And what's really annoying here is the Joint Committee were resolving these issues. Uh, they had met uh, over a week ago. They had, you know, they had uh, discussed these issues. There obviously was a pathway. Uh, and everybody expected that there would be a, a resolution to this. But what the British government have done now for the second time uh, is unilaterally uh, breach international law by not using the mechanisms that are there uh, and deciding to, to go on a solo run. And, you know, I, I don't understand the, the tactics from um, the, 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 the British government in relation to this. I think it's it's bad faith. Um and you know, there's there's two sides here, and it's pushed the European Union now into looking at legal mechanisms. The but if you're a, if you're a supermarket owner in Belfast, would you not be welcoming this certainty? You know, okay, I'm going to start ordering extra meat or these lasagna things that uh, that seem to be at the centre of the issue, the the ready meal kind of issues. Like like it, it gives you that certainty. So I'm going to put my order in because I know I'm not going to have to put the deal with the checks in Larne or wherever it comes in for until at least October. Actually, if I was a business owner, while I would want that certainty, and I know that there's a, a way to resolve that through uh, through working the protocol, 
in terms of both sides. What has happened now for the second time is creating uncertainty because what is the next thing that the British government are going to do? When are they, the next time that they're going to unilaterally decide to catapult uh, or, or override uh, the, the protocol? And what does that mean for a business uh, which, you know, over four years of negotiation have tried to find uh, a resolution to how we can uh, ensure trade goes on, on unhindered on the island of Ireland uh, and uh, with little restrictions from, from, from east to west? Uh, so this kind of unilateral actions creates uncertainty. Uh, because you don't know when Boris is going to do uh, pull the next rabbit out of the hat, and that and that's not good. Uh, so there is mechanisms here, and I think it's really, really bad faith. But look, you know, we, we've we've said this before. We've said it in contributions in the doll. This isn't the first time that the British government have shown bad faith. We see it in terms of the the new direction, new approach. Uh, agreement uh, in terms of restoring the assembly. The British government are already reneging on some of the commitments there. We see it in terms of dealing with the past, where they're, they're the only party outside of all the parties, the Irish government, the British government, again, have uh, have reneged on, on those commitments. So uh, there's form here in terms of the British government. Uh, as far as as far as far the, the parties in the assembly, so a decision is taken like what was taken on Wednesday. And as we know, um, the Taoiseach, Michael Martin, was left quite embarrassed, I think, by the, the whole scenario, given that himself and Boris had a lovely phone call on Tuesday about hosting World Cups and all this carry on, and it, and it never seems to have got mentioned. So where, where do the par- parties in the North, how, how do you get informed of this? Is there any kid, like, did the, does number 10 get onto the DUP even and say these things are coming? And, and, and then if that happens, do they, do they tell you? Is there any, what's the lines of communication there on, on these big decisions? Well, like um, I, I assume on this decision there was no notice. Um, there is ongoing engagement with the executive in the British government, just as there is on the Irish government. And in the in the in the event of of something like this happening, obviously Sinn Fein is as part of the co-leaders and the executive raise our concerns with with the British government. Um, it, it's surprising that that conversation um, is supposedly not have discussed this issue. Um, I'm quite surprised at that, that they were talking about football, but not, uh, you know, the breaches of international law. Um, but that's for Michael Martin to tell us what, what actually happened in that, in that conversation. Uh, look, but there's also, you know, uh, Philip, there is also another issue here, um, and that is in terms of the campaign that unionism have in the, in the North, basically, to, to scupper uh, the, 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 the protocol. Um, you know, wasn't the people of the North's first choice. The first choice was obviously staying within... Uh, within the European Union. And then, you know, again, the DUP and Boris scuppered another choice, which was Theresa May's choice, which means that there would have been no border in the Irish Sea that, uh, you know, that Britain and the North would have been part of of, of the single market. But we're left now with the, the third best option, uh, which is the I- Irish protocol. But there is an attempt here from unionism, from the DUP, and indeed, you know, engaging with loyalism uh, to try and launch a campaign. And I think you're going to see a lot more of that uh, in the run-up to the next Assembly election, and particularly the fact that this has to be re-voted on in four years' time in the Assembly election. So this is the, the, there's, a, there's a campaign here, which I think is very dangerous from the DUP from unionism because there is no other option. There is no uh, other resolution. We've dealt with it for four years. And I think it's very, very dangerous when you actually, you know, talk to 
loyalists or unionists and suggest that there is some type of utopia out there, some type of promised land post the protocol, when the DUP really know that there's not. And really what they're doing is playing a rear guard action because the the, 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 the pig in a poke that they sold their own electorate, uh, they've woken up to find out that it wasn't uh, the promised land and they're very annoyed at the DUP and that's why the DUP in mm. the opinion polls have been shedding votes. Yeah. Sorry, Hugh, you've written extensively on the DUP and, and their views on these issues. Why do you think that they are taking this, this rearguard action? What, what are the political reasons? Well, that, that? well, because they think that what's happened is effectively uh, what they feared, which is it's put a border in the Irish Sea, which means that the, uh, which means the North is, is cut off from the rest of Britain. And that ultimately undermines their desire to maintain... Northern Ireland is a member of the United Kingdom, uh, and not and to to avoid a, the the border poll that that Pierce and his party, uh, you know, so vociferously campaigned for. So I mean, that's really what's behind it, um, and they believe that you know, um, for for three or four years, that the threat of violence along the border, um, uh, along the Irish at the border on the island of Ireland, was used as a kind of a way to 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 to, to bring about this situation. Um, and they think that, like you know, in in that situation, then it's inevitable that there are some elements of loyalism um, that 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 you know might might consider violence as well, um, and that they have to be conscious of that. And you know, we all want to avoid violence, so you know, the best way of doing that perhaps is getting rid of something uh, yes. in the Northern Ireland Protocol that they don't believe is is working for Northern Ireland, and they don't believe as well is working for a lot of their constituents. I mean, I spoke to Jeffrey Donaldson back in. Uh, last month, I think, um, uh, for peace for the Sunday Independence, and he was talking about how he his office had been inundated with hundreds of constituents who uh, were having all sorts of issues from you know uh, an old lady unable to import uh, daffodil bulbs to a, a couple whose son was coming home from from the UK uh, or from from Britain uh, and had to get pay for several hundred pounds for rabies shots for his uh, dog. Uh, even though rabies has been basically uh, there's been no case of or very few cases of rabies on these two islands in in the last hundred years, so those are the kind of issues I suppose it's been driven by by very very uh, legitimate concerns from from constituents of of the DUP and, and constituents of Sinn Fein as well, no doubt. And just on on the other point that was brought up there as well on on the overarching Anglo Irish green or Anglo Irish relations. They do, like it, we, it must be in one of the worst parts it's been in years, if not decades, given yeah. everything seems to be so underhand. Like when you have a situation when Boris is bringing up, he, first of all, he's announcing this World Cup bid, which is re-announcing this World Cup bid for the X amount of time, let's say, in the, yeah. the British newspapers, in, in the English Sun. We're following it up with the Taoiseach running out with his, with his announcement and making a big deal about it. And then he's, you know, he's talking about his phone call with Boris. And then the next day he has the, the, the wool pulled over his eyes and suddenly he's in the midst of uh, another protocol crisis. And it, it must look very embarrassing for, for Martin when he's, when he's discussing this with, with the other EU leaders. I, I would have thought so, yeah. I mean, I think it's been a very bad week for the Irish government on this front to be kind of talking up cooperation with the UK on a, on a World Cup bid um, that I don't personally think has any chance of going anywhere. Um, but then the same week, Britain turns around and takes this unilateral action, completely unbeknownst to, to Micheál Martin, who spoke to Boris Johnson earlier in the week. Um, it just, it looks, it looks terrible. And yeah, relations are, are really poor at the moment, it seems. or I mean, it seems that there, there is a relationship of sorts between Boris uh, Johnson and Micheál Martin. They, they get on. I know that, that Micheál Martin was 
kind of exchanging texts with them and stuff like that back around the, the uh, you know, when the UK first tried to breach international law last year uh, in the run-up to, uh, to to the kind of securing the, the trade deal. Um, mm. But it does appear as if Boris kind of says one, I mean, and it's typical of Boris really, and we know that he, that, that he has form in this area. He says one thing to Michal Martin and then he goes around and does the, the exact opposite. Um, I mean, he's done that with loads of people down the years, so mm. we shouldn't be surprised really. Yeah. But the, the consequences are obviously... Great but just this dynamic, this dynamic that you, you're talking about, uh, Pierce, back to you again. Um, this dynamic around the the, the DUP's, you know, constant fears of uh, the United Ireland and you springing it on them somehow. Like that's also fed into the COVID strategy, north and south. And we we there has been tries, or the ambition is to have some sort of aligned strategy of evictions and, and tackling the virus. But we 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 haven't really seen that. It, it it isn't happening overall. There's still very different regimes for international transport, international flights and 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 quarantining both sides of the borders is different. And now this week as well, uh, the publication of the North's plan for uh, easing restrictions over the coming months. Now, it, uh, as everyone has set up there, including Ireland Foster, they're, they're not going to be driven by, by dates, but, but rather it, they'll be driven by data. But is there anything Sinn Féin can do up there to ensure that, when, that, that the North doesn't jump ahead too far from the South on easing its restrictions? Because there's going to be a lot more people vaccinated up there. There's going to be a lot more pressure to ease restrictions. But we know that that if there's two different uh, types of restrictions and, and less restrictions in the North, you're going to get that travel. You're going to get the possibility of a rise in cases. I mean, what can Sinn Féin do to, to, to try and ensure there is some sort of alignment? Yeah, well, look, I think that's what we've been trying to do from 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 the very word go. And in some cases, we've been successful. In other cases, we have been successful. Um, Michelle O'Neill, um, the Joint First Minister with Ardine Foster, came, on to, came in from a lot of criticism at the time when she kind of stood outside the executive, uh, the consensus that was there and basically says, look, we need to start closing down uh, certain sections of the economy because at that time, at the very start, the North was getting its medical advice aligned to what Boris Johnson were doing was which this experiment of herd immunity, which, you know, we kind of forget about that now, but that's where the executive were at and it was uh, mad. Now, in fairness, Michelle working with others in the executive was able to get to a situation where we uh, did have restrictions that then they became closer aligned to where we're at with the uh, the, the, the Southern government, there is a protocol, a memorandum of understanding, but the reality is, let's call a spade a spade, it hasn't really been worked or, or, or developed in the way it is. It, there's been a lot of frustration and it's thrown up to us by unionism all the time. You know that Robert Swan, the Ulster Unionist Health Minister, had written to Stephen Donnelly, you know, umpteen occasions looking for data in terms of international travellers. In some cases, he didn't even get an acknowledgement or get a, a response to the to the letter. So those issues cause, cause difficulty. And then there's a different view within the DUP, which had a very clear view about they weren't for restrictions, you know, or they weren't for the type of restrictions that that medical health was was suggesting. They used the mechanisms in the Good Friday Agreement called uh, the, the the petition of concern. And basically, they, it's across community. You have to have cross community support. It's supposed to be to support uh, protect minorities, uh, and they use that to override the public health advice that the executive, as a majority, voted for. So there has been big, big challenges, and we're not downplaying those challenges. Uh, we wanted to, we wanted an all Ireland, uh, you know, uh, response to this, and contact tracing and modelling and and restrictions. 
Uh, in the absence of doing that, we put forward last year uh, a two island a two island model, uh, which there's been a bit of talk about, but still hasn't developed to, to where it is. But Philip, you're 100% right. This is one of the big, big challenges now. Uh, and in the north, you have uh, there's a bit of a buzz uh, because you know a third of adults have been over a third of adults have been uh, have got a vaccination shot. Uh, they see the vaccination is going quite well. Uh, people are now being booked, I think it's the over 50s, uh, and they're just going online and they get their date for their vaccination within you know, a very short period, a number of days. Uh, so we will get to a point where the, the North may be uh, ahead of, of the South in terms of reaching that kind of critical mass. Uh, and the crucial thing is that we do have an all-Ireland approach at that point because you will have problems both sides. You'll have people from the border communities going into the north if things are opened up, and that's not good for, uh, for, 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 for the spread of the virus in the north. So there has to be a bit of sense here, and I think there really needs to, even though we're probably not looking at those issues until later on, uh, a couple of months away, but I really think there needs to be uh, discussions at a, uh, at a ministerial level at this point in time in terms of how we, how we deal with that point is it not a failure of Sinn Féin's statecraft and ability to do politics that we, we are in a situation where we have to worry about that? We're a year into this thing. We're thousands of dead people on the island. Um, it, it's, our hospital systems are hugely under pressure, both sides of the border. The HSE, the NHS are, are struggling. And yes, we can't get any sort of proper agreement am amongst yourselves, with the DUP up the north to have some sort of combined approach. We were, the, the, you were able to do it during the foot and mouth disease um, when some cattle were at risk. And there, there was an all-Ireland approach to that. Yet you just haven't been a, a year in now and are just still haven't been able to do it. You have to accept some responsibility on Sinn Féin's behalf that you haven't been able to use your political skills, your negotiating, your statescraft to, to just do something, to, to, to get an all-Ireland approach for this one issue. It doesn't mean that we have a 32-county republic uh, once the pandemic's over, but we do it for the, the pandemic. We give it a year. We just, just try, have some sort of combined efforts, get the cases suppressed, and, and have some sort of uh, better, better existence here on the island. Yeah, well, Philip, yeah, I think, you, first of all, you need to recognise that the, even with the DUP, there is no hesitance in, in relation to those uh, that party in terms of data sharing, in terms of international travels, travellers. There's no hesitancy in relation to joined up contact tracing. But that's just one uh, issue. That's just one part. No, no, of I, well, I was going to mention a number of issues. Contact tracing, for example, where the real problem comes, and this is, this is it's like you saying to me, Philip, isn't it terrible that Sinn Féin hasn't been able to convince the DUP to that Brexit is bad? Like the DUP's Brexiteers, the DUP has a different philosophy in relation to uh, dealing with this virus. As I said, they but believe Brexit's in not, you can't compare a pandemic to Brexit. Like Brexit's like almost a political ideology. A pandemic is a killer disease wiping out people on this island. It's Absolutely. not. It, it's not an ideology. It doesn't. It doesn't affect the DUP voters more than it affects the Sinn Féin voters. It affects them all the same, and it kills them both. And it puts them in hospital. So, like, I think that that type of argument, I think, should be put aside. It's more there's there's bodies piling up here on this island, and political wrangling or uh, political differences is is stopping a better approach. And that's that's the reality of it.
No, well, see, it, 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 I, I, I agree with your point 100% in relation to the, the pandemic and the, the impact of it and how it affects everybody the, the, the same way. And they're the, exactly the points that were put to the DUP. But it's not as simple. You don't get the same thing back. For them, for some of them, it is ideological. It is about, you know, business and the economy and so on and so forth. So it is that. That is why they have voted against public health advice. That is why they've used mechanisms to overrule the majority in the executive, which we've been able to build with others in terms of of the consensus of actually implementing public health advice and actually cooperating on an all-Ireland basis. But there, you know, there's challenges in terms of Brexit, for example, international travel. Now, there is no international flights into the north, but we have argued at the executive, we put it forward, that all uh, people coming onto the island of Ireland should be mandatory quarantine. That would include from Britain. The DUP aren't going to go there because it's ideological from them. Does it make sense from a uh, from a health point of view? Of course it does. We're in a unique situation as an island nation that we can actually control those coming on and off our island. So there are those difficulties. We recognise them, and that's why we're trying to find ways around them with a two island approach that Michelle O'Neill put forward last last year. But you know, like you, you kind of have to ask when when every party in the executive is basically saying yes, we want to implement the public health advice. This is what happened last year, and the DUP says no, we we don't want to do it. And then they lose the vote and then they use the reach to the Good Friday Agreement, which they were opposed in the first place, to actually overturn the, 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 the views of the executive. You can't blame Sinn Féin for that. There's only so no, much No, I'm not doubting that there's you know? not an issue with the DUP. But I mean, politics is about convincing people. It's about trying to find uh, some sort of path that you can both go on. And yeah. in this instance, and that's I been think... Done. And that's been done, Philip, because like the the point I'm making to you in terms of you know overriding the public health advice that was last year that that hasn't mm. happened now. Yeah, but the Pierce, just, just, more, Pierce, can I just come in? Can I just come in there for a second? Because like you know, at, at Christmas, for example, uh, Michelle O'Neill as a deputy first minister vetoed a joint statement uh, by the four UK nation four UK nations about Christmas health advice. So I mean, like there was some kind of collaboration between the four different nations that make up the United Kingdom and. She vetoed it. Um, and, you know, other things that have been pointed out by your critics, Mary Lou MacDonald claiming that COVID-19 was an accelerator for United Ireland. Um, you know, you've, there, there was a, a, an argument last, at the beginning of this pandemic around school closures that, you know, Sinn Féin flip-flopped on its policy um, because of, you know, because schools hadn't initially, or because schools had closed in, in Ireland and they hadn't closed in the North. Like, you know, and of course, there's the Bobby Story funeral as well. I mean, there's a whole host of issues in which Sinn Féin shares some culpability now. Well, for, for, first of all, in relation to um, the, the advice and the advice that we've been getting from the, the chief medical officer, the equivalent there, Mike McBride in, in the north, mm. at no occasion has Sinn Féin opposed that uh, advice in relation to the executive we've always called for we've always supported the advice and i think that's what we need to be governed by uh, uh, where where possible is the, the the medical advice the politicians are given because we're not medical people ourselves where that, that we need to be adhering to that it needs to be based on science and it needs to be based in, in in common sense and that's what we've we've been trying to do and i think we've been successful in in relation to doing it and there is a lot of you know as i said we're probably in a different space in the north because there those type of tensions aren't there as much. They are there in terms of international travel uh, for the reasons I outlined. But in relation to that debate about opening up the economy uh, and not having the restrictions, 
um, then that that's gone. There is more kind of joined joined upness in terms of the executive, and that's good that that's happening. Uh, and we just now need that to happen across the the island of Ireland and indeed with Britain as well. Um, you know, and there is going to be major challenges in in in, mm. in the time ahead because of the success of the vaccination program in the north. I expect that the the south will be able to catch up with that to a certain degree, but. And to be able to do that, they will need to get their act together in terms of the infrastructure and the rollout. And this week highlighted clearly that they're nowhere near where they need to be uh, when capacity is ramped up in terms of the vaccination program. Okay, right. Let's move on to one of your favourite topics then, Pierce, uh, the banks (laughs) and bankers and the awful things they've done to us and do to us on a regular basis. Um, Just briefly, as you can, uh, can you give us the, the, the Ladybird book version of what has happened this week with Davy and uh, the central bank. Yeah, well, basically what happened was a developer... And the legally safe version as well, please. (laughs) (laughs) Um, A developer uh, who had a bond from uh, Anglo-Irish Bank um, back in about 2014, went to Davies. Davies are the organisation, the stockbrokers, who sell bonds on behalf of banks. Uh, on individuals um, and also on behalf of the state. Um, so when we try to raise money in the markets, it's Davies we go to. So this individual went to Davies saying, I have a bond from Anglo-Irish Bank. Uh, I want to sell it. Davies said, took his business, uh, to pay, you know, charged him his fee, so on and so forth. Uh, and unknowns to the individual, what Davies did was a group of 16 employees within Davies uh, set up a consortium, a group, and they bought the bond So it wasn't sold on the open market. It was bought by them at a cheaper price than the individual would have got in the open market. Now, that would obviously present a conflict of interest. So this has to go to a committee in Davies, and the committee said that there's no conflict of interest. But what is reported is that every person uh, on that committee was also part of the group that were actually buying the bond. Mm. Uh, And it's also reported that this includes uh, former and current CEOs of of the organisation. And tell me, Chris, why is it only now that we're found out about this, nearly a decade later? Well, I understand, well two, two things. I understand there was a case in relation to this year, so there would have been a legal issue. Um, and then the, this, this is basically a central bank investigation and the central bank concluding in their investigation. So when the central bank started to investigate this in terms of Davies, Davies misled them. Uh, and then central bank do its, do its business. It takes quite a while, as we know from the banks and the tracker mortgage, it takes a number of years for them to do that. And they have found this week that... Uh, Davies was culpable and fined them 4.13 million euro. Now, the big problem for me is this, that nobody individually in Davies is, is being held to account and nobody in the firm is actually holding its own employees to account. Uh, so how we're basically forced into a position, in my view, the NTMA, which is the organisation that raises money on behalf of the Irish taxpayers, they basically can't do businesses with Davy anymore because if that if there is a breach of trust like that there between Davy and and the client, then how can the state continue uh, to 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 engage with them on that basis? So we need to see individual accountability. And why, and, why and can't mo- individuals be pursued? Why why doesn't the, the central bank can only pursue institutions? Is it rather than individuals? Or? No, they can they can they can and they can, they can uh, pursue individuals, um, and 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 that 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 is possible, and and that may be happening. Um, we may not know that. 
Um, so, for example, on the on the banks, in terms of the tracker mortgages, there has been reports made, uh, more than one, uh, in relation to the Gardaí and in relation to what the central bank has has seen, uh, and and they may be pursued in terms of cases. Uh, we will be informed of of that. But what what is missing here is that you can't pursue an individual until you have found the firm uh, liable. And that's a big problem. Now, in Davy's case, the firm has been found liable, so that barrier has been met. But what the central bank has been calling for for the last three years is a senior executive accountability regime. So basically what that would mean, Philip, is that if you're the head of a bank or an insurance company or a broker, uh, you would say, this is the areas I'm responsible for. I'm responsible for that part, that part, and that part. You would then say, I'm responsible for this. So then two years down the road, we find out that your firm has been involved in some shady dealings. Uh, and you then you can't turn around and say, well, I knew nothing about this. And, you know, because you have said you were accountable. So even if you didn't know about it, even if you didn't have a hand or part in it, you're actually the person that can be uh, fined and imprisoned as a result of that. And that's in place in Britain. That's what we need to hold senior uh, individuals to accounts because slapping a fine on a company means not, it, it obviously has a meaning, but it's not going to change the culture until the individual is, is held individually accountable. Chris, do you think that the state should stop doing business with Davy? I think that the state is forced into a position where they, they stop doing business with Davy. I don't think that that needs to be a long-term thing. I think that in the absence of individual accountability in Davies, then they have no option but to withdraw their support. How can you how can you place bonds? So Davies were, were selling a bond worth by uh, subscribed five billion euros worth uh, just to get the last uh, number of weeks on behalf of the Irish state. How can you actually put that type of money in trust with Davies? when we know that some of the most senior executives were involved uh, in this type of activity, which was not selling the bond on an open market, but selling it to the staff, including senior executives, at a lower price than the individual could get. They've been, I mean, they've been sanctioned for that. Yeah, but not not but not all the individuals are still there, and they're not sanctioned, and they're not held account, and they're still in the senior positions, uh, including the senior people who actually deal with the bond sales and the seat most one of the most senior people within the organisation. Like you know, you 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 wouldn't go down to a pub if you were if you found out that the pub was selling you stale beer or the the slops that were left from the night before. When you find this stuff out, you say, "I'm not going there," even though it might be your local pub. You won't I go to any pub at the minute, there, to be honest. <laughs> I go to any pub at the moment. Please. I know, I know. <laughs> That's a, you should have used that in the doll this week. <laughs> People might have understood. Um, okay, just we'll finish up soon enough, though. Um, a few quick questions, though, I want to ask you. Do you believe um, fluoride in water makes you docile? No. I Do I, you believe... Holograms were used uh, in the attack on the Twin Towers in 9-11. No. Do you believe that a large amount of the judiciary are pedophiles? No. Yeah. And then, are you embarrassed when you find out that some members of your own party, elected members of Dáil Éireann, have put stuff like that up on social media? I think those comments aren't, uh, like, they're, they're, they're not, uh, they're not, the issue in terms of fluoride is, is different. There are issues in terms, there's evidence that most, the North doesn't have fluoride in the water and there's a debate mm. there in relation to whether we should be fluoride, fluoridation in the water. Most mm. countries in Europe don't have it. 
Um, but yeah, and and relationship. But making it docile that it actually. Do you think? No, the no people in the north are less. Like we're all docile on themselves, and in the north, everybody. Don't agree with that. And and <laughs> okay. some comments that have been made on social media by uh, my colleagues and indeed some others uh, shouldn't have been made, and some people uh, make very silly comments on social media. But I mean, like you're you're the one of the most senior people in the party, well respected politician, you know, a voice of Sinn Fein. And then you're on a podcast here being asked about holograms and 9-11. Like, it, it, it must be very difficult for you when you're, you're this, this is first your time, life. The first time ever, Philip, I was asked, uh, first time ever I was asked any of those questions that you asked me. Um, so uh, yeah. it's not difficult at all. I have my views. I'm saying it very clearly what my views are. And that's it. Mm. You take it or it. Is it not though, Pierce, that like, you know, the, 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 there's a number of your TDs and, and representatives down the years who've said some pretty um, outrageous and just false things on social media or have have posted links to, to false information and information such as Philip cited there. And time and again, your party has had to kind of say, oh, it's wrong and they shouldn't have done that. And we've spoken to them about it. Like that, 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 that must be very annoying from your perspective as someone who's, you know, as, as Philip said, you know, you're the finance spokesperson for the party. You're a very uh, credible voice on a lot of issues, a lot of issues that we've just been discussing. Uh, and you're kind of, you, your whole party is being undermined by these people doing this. Well, two things, because I think what you're, the, the two points here, because one, one part of it is very serious. Um, of course, those, you know, I would prefer if those comments weren't made. Uh, I would also prefer, if people use social media and in in different ways, there's a lot of negativity in terms of social media. I think robust debate and calling people out are are, are part and parcel of, of politics and political debate and all the rest. Uh, but it can be a very very hard place for people, and so I think that people just need to be very mindful what they're they're posting. In relation to undermining me or anybody else, look as I said, um, those comments shouldn't have been made. But hand on heart. Um, you're the first person to raise issues of hologram ever with me. Um, you know, it's not something that's coming up in, to me or I'm sure even to TVs no, I'm and, sure. and all I mean, that. So it's not, I, I wouldn't be playing it into something bigger. I think there's a wider, a bigger debate in terms of social media and false information uh, and, and, and how we call that out and what we do in terms of the emergence of the rights and so on and so forth. But, you know, um, and, and social media, is very, it's too easy to post something and, you know, Mm. No, but I 100% agree. I take it like, look, you're not being asked about Martin Brown's tweets every day of the week. But I mean, we look down our noses at the Americans when we see the likes of QAnon and the impact that they've had on the Republican Party over there. But just surely, w when you see that there's this undercurrent, like it's not a one-off incident. There has been members of your party posting. There's been anti-vax stuff as well. Yeah. That there La like there's there these conspiracies that are that we all know are true. The three of us are sitting here. We know they're, they're not true. But there's yet there's elected members of the Doyle who are, may not believe it anymore, but at one stage, believe them enough to sit down in front of a keyboard or on their phone and type them into the, the internet and post them on behalf of themselves. And that, that is a worrying trait within it, within it. What is the, the largest opposition party? Yeah, and as you said, they, they, they don't have those views at this point in time. And and well, that's actually, that's welcome, like just, you know, and just one of the jobs that we have as elected yeah. representatives is actually to 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 lead people where possible uh, in terms of providing proper information and engaging with discussion with people who hold different views and trying to convince them off of the of the merits of moving away from those views. So you know, um, 
like yeah, I, I know you're talking about Sinn Fein, and I represent Sinn Fein, but it's not unique to Sinn Fein. And, and but know. Pierce, like last weekend, for example, Rada Cronin, right, off the back of the the po- your your TD in Kildare North, off the back of the, the protests in Dublin, said that um, all the far right in Ireland needed to flourish was the incompetence of the of the uh, Fianna Fáil, Fine Gael Green Party uh, in a pandemic, aided and abetted by a few shite hawks in the media. So basically, she was blaming the government and the media, or a few shite hawks in the media. I don't know who she thinks are shite hawks uh, for for having allowed, you know, but basically creating the circumstances in which the far right is is flourishing in Ireland. I mean, do, do you think that? Do you believe that? I think we have all have a role to play in relation to dealing with the far right. I think that mm. everybody at that protest weren't. But do you think that? But do you think that? But did you think it was? But just, just a second. The answer, the, you can answer this yeah. very, very clearly, though, right? Do you think the government, aided and abetted by elements of the media, are responsible for what happened last weekend? No, I don't. Rita, Rita Cronin didn't say that either. By the way, just 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 to be clear, what happened last weekend uh, was at a protest. Uh, which shouldn't have happened in the first place because of the restrictions. Now, Rita Cronin's father is a long-serving, was a long-serving member of Ungaradi. So, you know, let, let's be clear. What she was drawing attention to is the fact that there is frustration out there uh, and, that a lot, and the far right are trying to build on that frustration. And what we've seen the week before that was, you know, a, a point where you had ministers coming out contradicting each other indeed one minister contradicting themselves when he when he went from rte and went back to his house and said actually what i said was wrong you know mm. and that does cause frustration this is a very 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 difficult time for people right across the board well, and okay we, in terms we've, of we've been very clear that the public health restrictions are important they need to be abided by we support the government in relation to that but we also expect the government to get their act together and to try and make sure that they those situations of build up and we recognize the elements of the the right people who protest outside our offices uh you know are, are, are trying to manipulate or trying to uh, mm. not manipulate but trying to capitalize on, on those frustrations so that's what that's well what let's the, when you say the, there's no mixed messages in Sinn Féin yet at the same time a couple of days before those protests you have um your Sinn Féin councillor controversial figure within the party Paddy Holohan out in South Dublin County Council Council based in Tala uh, he's out supporting people who are breaching the laws and uh, calling out others. This is in relation to the, the beauty salon owner, um, out in Balbriggan, uh, who opened two days in a row and, and got arrested for, for doing so. And he, and he was calling people to support that type of action. And this is a member of your own party, quite a, quite a well-known member of, of your party. Um, so, so how can you at one point confu- uh, accuse the government of mixed messages about whether schools are open, but at the same time you've been a member of your party openly calling for people to breach the restrictions. Well, first of all, and I'm sure you know this, Philip, that that isn't in what what Paddy Hulan said is not in keeping with what the party's view is in relation to this. We have asked him to withdraw those comments, to take down those comments. As far as I know, he hasn't done so. And there's a disciplinary procedure underway within the party in relation to that. So, you know, let that procedure is there. So, you know, look, in, 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 in different times, you would have uh, accused me and my party of, you know, uh, all speaking from the same script, that we don't allow any different voices and all the rest. And now it's <laughs> like, oh, my God, there's one person that said something uh, and put out a tweet. And now let's make the big story about about this. And that's OK. That's OK. You, journalists have a, an important 
important role to play uh, in, in, in society and the political discourse and challenge people like myself. But look, you have to take it. Like You have to understand this. This fellow made a comment. We told him that that comment isn't in keeping with the parties. Uh, mm. We told him to withdraw. He isn't doing so. There's a disciplinary procedure. The party will deal with that. It's completely the opposite. Actually, you know, we haven't done, there is huge frustration there. And like people send messages to myself on social media and saying, well, like, you know, you, you aren't calling out the government on terms of the restrictions because we believe that the restrictions are necessary. We know how tough they are, mm. you know, and there is, there is, you, you know, consensus in the, in, in the doll in relation to uh, the need for the public health restrictions and to abide by public health restrictions where there is differences in the doll. And it's very different from a councillor making a comment to actually a minister's contradicting or indeed the teacher and the tonish to contradict themselves uh, competing for basically, you know, the, 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 the headline and the newspaper uh, but where there is uh, differences in the doll is the fact that either the government aren't going far enough or how they're doing it or how they're implementing it whether okay. it's a vaccine or international travel or so on that's where it's where the difference is that but there's unanimity and common mm. purpose in terms of the following public health guidance okay listen we'll leave it there and um, thanks for all your time today um it was a very interesting discussion and i like the idea that uh Paddy Holan is normalising Sinn Féin by <laughs> you finally have uh, dissident voices speaking out against the party. Um, I didn't so, say that. No, fellow, <laughs> I said Paddy Holan is subject to disciplinary action. Yeah, <laughs> no, no, no. Sorry, that's not yeah. the point I was making. You had Sinn Féin now party, has own Our party has always been normal. Maybe not in your eyes, <laughs> Philip. Maybe not in some of the media's <laughs> eyes. But our party has all, all always been normal, and thankfully, we represent the majority of people who are also normal across the island. I take your point. I take your point. But now we can look forward to lots more dissident uh, voices in Sinn Féin and people calling for uh, leaders to resign and all sorts. Um, I would, okay, I would really do that when we have one of the most popular <laughs> leaders. <laughs> I think the second most popular at the moment. But uh, Pierce, do you think there's going to be? Uh, do you think this government's going to last? Just fine. Sorry, just very finally. I know we're 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 running out of time now. But like, do you think the do you think there'd be another four years before there's an election, or do you think there's going to be an election in the next twelve eighteen months? I, I think COVID stopped it in the, uh, at the minute. Um, Look, all of us who look at kind of polls and all this kind of stuff and kind of see what's happening, I would say that uh, Fine Gael probably were itching for an election. Um, they're seeing their popularity reduce. Um, will it hold? I don't know. There's a lot of tension there at this point in time. There's tension internally in some of those parties, but I don't like to comment on what's happening internally in parties. No, but that's, can... that's not what I asked you. Yeah, no, Just but, but those things election. bring on elections. Those things bring mm. on elections. You know, that's that's what, like, a leadership challenge in Fianna Gael, uh, or indeed Fianna Fáil, can actually bring on an election. Uh, so, uh, do do I believe it will last? I don't know. I, I, I don't know. All I know is that we're re we're getting ready. Uh, we're selecting our candidates. We're looking. We're making sure that we'll have uh, enough candidates in the field uh, in the next election to 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 hopefully harness the support that is out there for for real change uh, across society. So um, that's that's our job. Uh, whenever the election is, the election is. What type of team will you be running? What type of figures are you looking at? An excellent team. What type of figures are you going to throw at the we field? Haven't, we, haven't, we haven't drilled down into that yet, but uh, it's basically look, in areas like, you know, in my own area, we're looking at a third candidate 
running that's happening in some other areas as well so having sat down with a pen and paper and, and totted it all up but uh, obviously we had uh, a huge support in the last election we left a number of seats behind us um, mm. you know, their, their votes that were given to the party that we just didn't have a candidate to to transfer on to uh, and there's a number of areas that we can challenge for for additional seats and I think people uh, look People have seen uh, Sinn Féin over the last year. Our votes, our vote, their popularity seems to be increasing in terms of opinion polls. Hopefully, that the next time around, the work is already underway. Okay. Okay. Listen, Pierce. Thank you very much for your time, and thank you very much to Hugh O'Connell as well. And that's all for this week. And join us again next week for the floating voter on Independent.ie.